You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Good morning. Welcome to the Vineyard. My name's Rick Francis. I'm the pastor here. Good to have you with us. Well, we've been looking at Mark chapter 7. The Pharisees and the scribes come down from Jerusalem, and as you know, they did really good. They gathered around Jesus, and uh, they were there, and then they opened their mouth and asked a question. And the question was, why do your disciples eat with unwashed hands? Which sets the, the ball up on a tee for Jesus to just whack it clean out of the park. It's like, oh my stars, you couldn't have asked for a better opportunity. Here Jesus has, has demonstrated all his healing power, his authority, even over nature, walking on the lake, uh, doing all sorts of things, and now he is ready to take it to the next level. And here is the, the religious question. What causes us to be unclean? Obviously, if you have really long hair, you're unclean. Should follow my example. No. Jesus, Jesus really takes this opportunity. The, the religious leaders ask him a question which he really never directly answers, but he goes and he uses it and he talks about how we've taken our religious rules and principles and all this stuff, and, and we've made something that has, it's able to cut God completely out of the picture, and we can keep score by how well we are performing. Not how well we know him, it's not about relationship with God now, it's about keeping the laws. Why were the Jews so bent about the law? Well, they received the law from Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments, good stuff. Everybody agree? <clears throat> what happens when you don't keep the commandments of God? Well, when they have gone into captivity, when the Assyrians came and then the Babylonians came, and, and when they had their temple destroyed, when, when they had their city and their countries pillaged, what, what they realized was, oh, this is judgment because we haven't kept the commands of God. So now we're gonna get a committee together and we're gonna get all our scholars and we're gonna work on this. And when it says, thou shall not do this, then let's take it out to the nth degree. Let's start developing what I call the buffer zone, okay? So, so they try to, to get all the rules, regulations, everything they possibly can on each of the commandments, and they try to extend it as far as they can. So that if here was the original commandment, now you had all of this that was around it as a buffer zone to protect you in case you goofed and you flubbed up and you violated one of the minutiae one of the many little picky rules, you forgot to part your hair on the right side, something, and, and now, guess what? You didn't get to, to the big commandment. So this is kind of a human self-protection technique. 
How do we protect ourselves so that we don't get God's judgment? Well, let's get what the commands are and let's see if we can get all of these other things around. And it's not too long as you continue to do that, that all of a sudden you start developing a system that is so far removed from the original commandment that you don't even know what the commandment is. So much so that Jesus used that in, in last week when we looked, and he says, you've done away with the commands of God by your tradition. And the tradition that they had was that if you didn't wanna take care of mom and dad, you could just take your resources and say, I dedicate them to the Lord. And they called that Korban. This is Korban. So now I'm no longer have to obey the commandments of God. Honor your father and mother. Don't have to obey that commandment. And so it's a way to get out of it. it it's really interesting how binding some of these ritual ceremonial laws and traditions were. So much so that if you did this because Dad wasn't going to let you, blah, 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 blah. and so now you're getting back at him. You got this angst against your parents, and so now you're going to, and you just say Corbin because you don't want to give them that. Well, in the law, when that happened, nobody really came around to make sure that you devoted that to the Lord. You might have devoted to the Lord and just say, you know, I think the Lord needs a new bass boat. And so, you know, I'm going to take this resource and, and buy the Lord a new bass boat. It's devoted to the Lord. And I'll go out on the, sh on the, on the lake and, and we'll catch fish for Jesus. And, and, we, and, and it's an interesting way to manipulate the system. But one of the sad effects was that if, if someone had taken a vow of Korban and wanted to change, they had a change of heart and they realized that they were no longer you know, honoring their father and mother, and they, they realized the command, you know, they could not undo the vow of Corban. That which they had said and dedicated, maybe it's a piece of property or, or some of the sheep or the livestock or something, when they said that's Corban, they no longer had the ability to give that to mom and dad. And so, you can see almost the demonic dynamic of missing the true heart of the commandments. And by developing this self-protective system, all the minutia of, of trying to keep us from ever getting judged by God again and going into captivity, they violated the very core. And so now, Jesus has the ball all teed up and he's ready to clobber it right out of the park. I love that about Jesus. Beginning at verse 14, chapter seven. Again, Jesus called to the crowd and said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it's what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. Question, why do your disciples? Okay, he's left that. He's already taught about how they, they've used their tradition to nullify the commands of God. Now he calls the crowd to him. 
He calls the crowd to him, and, and, he's, and he's teaching them. Verse 17, after he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull? He asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach, and then out of his body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. Father, we just ask that your spirit would give us the anointing to hear. May our ears be opened. May we hear what the spirit is saying to the church. Open our hearts that we would receive it with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen. So he dealt with the Pharisees and the scribes, and now he calls the crowd to himself, and he wants to, he wants to speak to them. And he said to them, listen to me. When Jesus says, listen to me, I think we ought to listen. Yeah. Everyone understand this. This was kind of a prophetic phraseology that, you're, that, that a prophet was getting ready to share something straight from God. So it was like, listen to this. Understand this is the heart of Jesus. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. So whatever goes in is not what determines your cleanliness. It's what comes out of you that determines your cleanliness. Are you clean or unclean? <laughs> I was reading a devotional this week and the guy was talking about, you know, that we are all, you know, little prophets. We all are, are, are sharing the Lord and it's how we live our life that is causing other people to see the goodness of God, to see a reflection of his love, his kindness, a reflection of who he is. And it's like, okay, so it's what comes from within that comes out. Because most people, unless you're a part of a very structured religious system, and there are those, you know, you don't normally just decide, you know, today I think I'll go out and witness. I think I, I want to be a witness today. I think I'll just go out and see how many people I can influence for Jesus, win to Christ, how many souls could get saved today. Most people don't just do that on Saturday, unless they're part of a program or something like that, you know, unless it's inside them. What's inside of us will come out. And uh, this is one of the things that always embarrasses me, especially when it's car buying time and we go to the car salesman 
and my wife has refused to go with me to the car salesman when it's negotiation time because she thinks I am not being very nice to the car salesman. And the Holy Spirit's had to give me a little bit of a shift in, in my understanding of what is taking place there because I see it as I'm in combat. You know, he's trying to get as much money out of me as he possibly can, and I want to buy this car at the right price. And so it's like, I don't see him as a friend. He's an adversary. Matter of fact, he is a manipulating, sneaky, blah, 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 blah. You know, and it's like, and, and I've had some that were kind of like that. I've had others that weren't. Um, Chuck Kennedy was the best car salesman I ever did business with. <laughs> so as, as, as we go through and we work through that, we gotta realize it's what's already inside me that this venue's just given an opportunity for it to come out. And so when it does, guess what? It's a wonderful opportunity to repent and to invite Jesus to come and minister to that part of my heart that is no longer seeing a human being as a human being, but is seeing him as an adversary. Now you can take that and run with it on your political <coughs> side. You, you can run, run with that in any direction that the Holy Spirit wants to make application to your life. But to remember, what defiles us is what's in that comes out. It's not what we eat what goes in. And boy, the Jewish ceremonial, the, the, all the rules about how to eat, what you can eat, and all that was just crazy. So here we have. Now, after he's called the crowd together and he just gives them this teaching, it's, it's not what goes in, it's what comes out. And he really didn't expand on that, it doesn't appear. So much so that now as they enter into a house, they left the crowd, they enter house, his disciples asked him about this parable. So he has a little house talk with the disciples. Are you so dull? They didn't get it. What do you mean it's not what goes in, but it's what comes out? When all your life you have been taught, do not eat unclean food. Don't do it, and whatever, make sure you got your hands washed, not just for hygiene, but ceremonially, so that you know, the Lord can bless what you're eating, and it just goes crazy. So here's Jesus' response. Are you so dull? You've been with me all this time. You've seen that on the Sabbath, I heal, and it gets everybody upset in the religious system. You, you see that when it comes to paying taxes, you know, render to Caesar what's Caesar's and to the Lord what's the Lord's, you know, and, and so we see all these different things that Jesus is just kind of upsetting the culture, especially the religious culture. And so don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? Don't you see that? So he gets a little graphic. I'm glad Debbie wasn't there because she might have to talk to Jesus about, we don't talk about that in public, but he does. For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach 
and then out his body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. Now this is an interesting passage here. They had gotten so lost in building the hedge that they didn't want to violate the commands of God, that they were so far removed that they were violating all sorts of things. The Gospel of Mark is written for Gentiles. The, the, the number one resource person that John Mark had was Peter. And Peter of all people is the one that Jesus, the Lord had to bring the sheet down three times in chapter 10 of Acts and said, rise, kill and eat. Oh no, no, I've never, I've never touched anything unclean. Well, part of this is you couldn't have a Gentile enter your house either. You couldn't do these kind of things because of the cleansing, the whole cleansing cold. And so there's that. And now Peter, the dodo head, I love him. He's a little slow. He didn't get it when he's following Jesus. After Jesus is raised from the dead, in Acts chapter 10, the sheet has to come down three times. And the Lord speaks and says, don't call unclean what I have called clean. Boom. And then in Galatians 2, we find that Peter is eating with the Gentiles until the, the, the Jews come down. And when the Jews come down, then Peter kind of moves from their table and, and separates himself. And Paul confronts him and says, what are you doing? This is the setting the foundation and the stage of the gospel for every non-Jewish person. It's not about what you eat. It's not about what you eat. Now, when we come in and we restrict our dining habits, oftentimes it can be because we're with someone who's got a very sensitive conscience. And so for the sake of, of a, a weak believer, we might restrain ourselves from eating certain foods or something just out of love for them, care for them. Don't want to be a stumbling block for them. Can you? Yes, you absolutely can. But should you? Probably not. And then there's other times you might want to restrict what you eat. If you eat this and it does bad things to your stomach and you're going to be up all night and you're going to throw up and you're going to have a terrible time, probably don't eat that. It's okay for you not to eat that. But here... This wasn't something that Jesus said by saying this, he declared all food clean. It was later added by the gospel writer who had Peter who was whispering in his ear and had all that had followed in the kingdom and they realized it doesn't matter. If you wanna eat shrimp, eat shrimp. You couldn't eat shrimp if you were following the ceremonial law. You know, if you wanna eat the eyeballs of a pig, Go ahead, knock yourself out, you know, whatever. All things are clean. Doesn't mean everything is good for you, <laughs> mind you. You still might want to use some discretion. And I've had the Lord say, others may, but you may not. And he's been very specific about certain things. And he says, you know, it's okay. It's, it's not a sin, but for you, don't you eat that or don't you drink that. 
It's like, oh, okay. And when you get something that specific from the Lord, there's probably a reason that he understands that you might not. I highly recommend that you adhere to what he says to you personally. So here we have this incredible account. And Jesus, you know, he, he's, he's showing that the Father works on the Sabbath. <laughs> he's showing that it's not about how you wash your hands. The disciples' hands were clean. They just weren't ceremonially cleansed. They weren't ceremonially clean. But here he's, he's saying it's not about what goes in. It's about what goes out. Hmm. And so then he goes on. For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach, and then out of his body. Stuff that ends up on the toilet can't defile you. But things that come out of you, they can. They can indeed. What comes out of a man? What makes him unclean? From within, out of men's hearts, come. And here's the whole thing. It's not about what's going into your body, it's about what's, what's in your heart. It's what's going on in your heart. Evil thoughts, and then he manifests them. Because when you go to James, we find that, you know, sin, temptation, it comes, it's a thought, we entertain it, it's a desire, we think about it, we give it space, and it just continues to develop until it takes us all the way to the place of death. So he said, sexual immorality, which is really interesting because in the first six, after evil thoughts, the first six, you find that there's a, there's a companion. Uh, sexual immorality goes with adultery. And we find those two pair. And these first six are all nouns that are in the plural. They represent acts, things that, that are done. So sexual immorality and adultery. We find thief and malice. No, thief and greed, excuse me, thief and greed. And we find murder and malice go together. And so we see these couplets that are, that are here in the passage, all about things that, that are done, they're acts. And then it hits into kind of a spiritual defilement. These are not so much actions as they are characteristics. They're kind of attitudes, they're, they're kind of things that are, that are not events that we do, but they fuel the events. Deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. Okay? So we got a whole list here. So everybody memorize the list and make sure you don't do any of these things ever again. And we'll start a new rule for our religious cult and we'll say, we're not gonna do the evil thought stuff. How good are you at that? <laughs> it's like, don't, don't think about this. Oh, and all of a sudden, that's the only thing you can think about. It's like, it doesn't work that way. But what, we, what the Lord's getting at is what he gets at even on the Sermon on the Mount. You know, you have these things that we're not supposed to do, but he says, if they're in your heart, if you, think these thoughts in your heart. It's the same as having done them. It's like, whoa. You know, well, I don't commit adultery and I don't have sexual immorality. I, I, don't, do, I don't do that. 
oh, have you ever lusted after a woman? Oh, Jesus, you're just getting a little too personal, aren't you? You're a little invasive. Here we find that Jesus is, is once again, even in this context, is showing how important the heart is. The heart is has absolute supreme importance because the thoughts, the desires, the actions, everything that, that comes, the motivations of our heart is what gets un, unveiled in our behavior. So what do we need? Well, good news found in the Old Testament. Really? Yeah. Really? Really, really? Really, really, really? I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Ezekiel. 36.26. It's like, because if, if we didn't get to the reality that the Lord Jesus has come to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will <laughs> cleanse us of our sins, purify us from all unrighteousness. It's like, whoa. How does that happen? It happens as we invite Jesus into our heart and as we receive the heart that he has always had for us, the heart that he intended for us to live. Because if you wanna play the religion game, you're gonna exhaust yourself. Just when you think you've got all the behaviors taken care of, now you gotta to get to your thoughts. You gotta to get to your desires. Oh, I want a muscle car. You know, it's like, it's like, no, we need, we need a new heart. And what I find that this journey that I've been on of allowing the Lord to have full access to my heart and receiving his heart, that's really good. Sometimes my self-improvement program on how to get my heart a little bit more sanctified, a little more righteous, a little more be believing right. You just need to run up the white flag of surrender and just say, Lord, I need your heart. Now, I believe that the Lord's blood has power to cleanse and to sanctify. And we're going to experience that here in just a moment as we take communion together. As we do that today, I'm praying that our prayer would be, Lord, would you let your blood just sanctify my heart? Cleanse it. Mm. You who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. Don't understand that, but it's in the scripture and you can experience it even if you don't have your theology all straightened out. The good news is Jesus' blood is more powerful than your darkest sin. 
your dark, darkest thought, your most evil, wicked thought, the blood of Jesus is more powerful than anything you could manufacture in your brain. But we want him to sanctify. We want to receive the mind of Christ. We want to receive the heart of Christ. We want to receive him. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.